week in Revelation 1, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I'm the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. And I just think about the Lord is full of power and authority, and we have the privilege to encounter Him, to go to Him, and and I'm a huge sports fan, so I think about um, some of my favorite athletes in baseball and their accessibility so they're awesome and a lot of times they don't live up to what you think they'll be and you can't really get to them either and so we're talking about the God of the universe the creator and he's right there and so I think the simple response that we have is to just sing the song to sing the authority of God to sing of his power Oh, 
It's good to be alive. You guys glad to be here this morning? A little bit, maybe a little bit. All 12 of you. Now, 
it's it's uh it's it's one of my favorite things is we do here is baptize and we dedicate children and this week we had a uh, Kevin Unglove who came up on Tuesday and just him and his wife Ashley have been coming since Christmas Eve and 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 Kevin came up this week guys and and he gave his life to Christ and I just baptized them at the 9:30 so can we just thank God for Kevin and Ashley yep. In fact, we were backstage, and, and, and Ken was, was preaching, and it was so funny because he's sitting back. He's like, yeah, he's talking about Jesus, and he's excited. And I, I tell you, when you see someone else get excited about Jesus, that is contagious. And I believe that about you guys. You guys are contagious. And so we're glad that you guys are here. We have a special guest. Can you guys say hello to Caroline Wise? Can you say good morning to Caroline? Yep. So Caroline is a missionary in Nepal, and so I, I've asked her to come and, and give us a, a little update what God's been doing. Good morning. Um, As he already said, my name is Caroline Wise. Um, I've been in Nepal for the past three months uh, with an organization called YWAM, and that stands for Youth with a Mission. So they send out young missionaries into all different countries all across the world. And I specifically went to Nepal. Um, I didn't exactly want to. I was really, really scared, and it was way out of my comfort zone, but... Um, yeah, the Lord knows what he's doing, and it was an amazing experience, and I'm so glad that he decided to send me there, because it was by far one of the most incredible experiences in my entire life. Um, so I wanted to come here today to share with you a little bit about what is going on in Nepal, because I think that it's really important for us to share, um, the experiences that we have with the Lord, and the things that are going on in the world that we experience, so that we can share it as a family and as the body of Christ. Um... So, in Nepal, uh, our team was traveling from village to village and evangelizing. And evangelism is actually illegal in Nepal. Um, And Hinduism is the main religion there. And so the people there, they worship gods and there's temples and there's um, shrines to their gods. But they don't serve God out of love. They don't serve their gods because they love them or because they bless them or anything. They serve them out of fear because they are so afraid of what the gods will do to them if they are not serving them and doing what they want, making sacrifices. Um, So when they hear about a God that loves them and that wants to take care of them and doesn't want them to serve them for his own benefit, they are just, it's a very hard concept for them to understand. Um, So we were able to go around and share with these people the love of Christ, and we got to tell so many people about Jesus for the first time, and we got to give out so many Bibles to people that have never had an opportunity to do that. Um, And many of them are uneducated, so we got to put it on their phones. A lot of them do have smartphones, so we were able to put the Bible on their phones where they can listen to it and learn English and also learn how to um, read the Bible and learn about Jesus. Um, And I also wanted to thank you guys so much for supporting me and my team in Nepal because I can tell you that every time we were going through a hard experience or through a joyful experience or when we were so sick that we couldn't even get out of bed, we could feel your prayers covering us every single day. We could feel you guys praying for us and supporting us in every single way and I know that we could not have done it without you. Um, And I said this before and I just think that this was so important that the Lord wanted me to share this with you. Um, that even though our team was in Nepal physically, every victory that happened and every reward that comes from all of the people that entered the family of Christ in Nepal, you guys get to celebrate in that with us because we are the body of Christ. And just because we were there physically does not mean that you guys are any less a part of what's going on in these different countries where missionaries are going. The fact that you are, you are supporting us and that you are praying for us means that we get to celebrate together and you are just as much a part of it as we are. So thank you so, so much for all of your support. Can we just thank God? Yep. So Caroline and her team, we support them through the, the birthday gift of Jesus. And if you're new, we, we have a fund every year that we give towards, and this supports 100% of what comes in, 100% of what goes out, and more goes to local, national, and international missionaries. And so Caroline and her team is on that birthday gift of Jesus. And so we are humbled to partner on what God's doing through her and in, uh, through her team in Nepal. And so, uh, guys, I have a, f- a few things we want to highlight at this time. If you pass the folders down the rows, we appreciate that. Let us know you're here. If you're new with us, we're, we just want to say welcome. Uh, thanks for, for checking out Crossroads, for being here. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. If you have any questions, go talk to the Welcome Center as you leave. They'd love to talk with you and answer any questions. Um, but if you look in your bulletin, there's a little 
save the date sheet. Please check those dates out. Put them in your calendar. Um, also, uh, we just want to highlight three things. One is that we have the egg hunt happening on the 13th of April. And so it's coming up quick. And so there are three slots for uh, each for uh, each breakdown for each age group. And so please go online. You can sign up. It's all free. Invite your friends. Share it on social media. But we are expectant at what God's going to do. In fact, we just met a family a couple weeks ago that came on a Saturday night that uh, said they came to a movie, a movie night about three years ago. And so they came this just three years later to check out Crossroads. So you never know how God is going to use those events. And so we are excited about what God's going to do. And that's happening on the 13th of April. And then on the 19th, uh, 19th, we have Good Friday at seven o'clock here in the auditorium. And then Easter services that weekend as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so guys, we are expecting what God's going to do. We've already seen people coming to Christ almost every week in the last four or five weeks, baptisms, child dedications. This is all because of the power and work of Jesus Christ. This is not by human hands that are producing human results. This is something powerful that God's in work in our city, in our church, in our country. And so we are humbled to talk about what God's been doing. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And one thing I want to highlight is coming up on May 21st, we are going to be starting our car cruises again. So if you are interested in serving, whether you can cook or set up or help tear down um, supplies and marketing and all that stuff, uh, you can talk to Hal Breinig or Al Finney. Al or Al. And if you get them confused, you'll go to the right person. (laughs) Al or Al. So talk to them. And uh, May 21st is when those start. But people come up, we hang out, we interact with them, and it's just a safe spot. They can bring their cars. And there's some incredible cars. A lot of our members bring their cars. It's a great time to connect. Five to nine every Tuesday night starting May 21st. We are really praying what God's going to do and expect it, that he's going to do something powerful. Let's go before the Lord. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you so much for your death on the cross. And truly in Christ alone, we stand. We don't stand in our paycheck alone. We don't stand in our relationships alone. We don't stand in our government alone and any politician alone. We don't stand in in any uh, just great track of, of a season of success and anything. God, we don't stand in that. We stand in Jesus Christ alone. That's where the power comes from. That's where life change comes from. That's where hope, meaning, worth healing, that's where all of that comes from, is in Christ alone. And so in that name of Jesus is where we stand. That's the truth we proclaim. And as we give now to see lives changed by Jesus Christ, we know there are some people who are struggling with their faith, some people brand new, wrestling with what it means to even trust another person, let alone trust Jesus. And so God, I pray this morning you'd move in a powerful way in this place, bring people to yourself, grow people closer to yourself. And as we walk out of here, we enter the mission field and we are reaching the one person in our lives that you are putting into our lives for us to reach to point them to you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for chasing us down, pursuing us always. We love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. you glad to be here this morning? I think, yeah. I, I think Pittsburgh is the only place where I could see on the news 68 degrees for the high, expect snow in the morning. Can you believe that? I mean, I was just like blown away by that yesterday. We're glad that you're here this morning. We are continuing our series, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And, uh, you know, the reason that we've been going through this is because as we look and want to discover who is Jesus, he told us who he is. He, he had seven statements throughout the book of John where he says, I am. And as he says, I am, you, you have this, uh, th- this declaration and we get, to be, we get to understand who he is. But as we look through the scriptures, I'm reminded that in today's world, many people want Jesus to be who they want him to be. They want Jesus to be, they want a God who will confine to what they want him to do, who will do what I want him to do, when I want him to do, that type of thing. And I want to share with you today that we serve a God that is much bigger than anything that you could imagine. Um, you know, if, if you just want to make a God that you put in your box and you pull him out whenever, you know, whenever it's a hard time and he's going to fix my hard times, and, and if he doesn't, then he's not God, well, I'll tell you what, you've got a poor view of God. Because God is so much bigger. Ephesians 3.20 says that he is exceedingly, he, he can do exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ask or think. And so this is the type of God that you serve. And so as we go through the scriptures, we see these I am statements. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, I'm reminded of the, up here on the church uh, that we were without power. We had that, that wind whip through here. And as the wind came through, it took down the power lines and we had no electricity from Monday all the way through Thursday. 
You know, it's just so frustrating. You come in, you just want the lights to work, right? You come in and it was pretty cold during that time. You just want the furnace to be on. You just want to be able to, to survive. You want to be able to get through, uh, through this time up here, right? And, uh, and I was reminded during that time that the church may have been without, lect- without electricity, but it has never been without power. And that's because of who Jesus is. And so this morning, I'm going to show you the power of Jesus. I'm going to show you who he is in this I am statement, John 11:25. We'll put it up here, and I'm going to ask you to read it with me. Let's read it together. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So we're going to look at the, this. Is, this is a statement of power. And there is so much power that God has given to you as a follower of Christ. If you've trusted Christ, the resurrection and the life, this, there's power in this statement. And so many times we look at that and we say, okay, yeah, I know that he was talking, he would rise from the dead. Yes, he would rise from the dead, but he's telling you not about an event, he's telling you about himself. And when he comes out and he says, I am the resurrection, I am the life, what was he really talking about? He's going to display his power. And as you go through John chapter 11, you find that this, there was a display of, of his character. Uh, he was revealing that he is the Messiah, uh, that, that he is God in the flesh, walking and, uh, and, and living about. And I want you to read with me John chapter 11. We'll begin in verse 1 here. And it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the village of Mary and Martha, his sisters. I, again, remember, John was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. So he keeps giving you these little details. I love in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all give you these little details. You can go research the town of Bethany. You can find out that there was a man named Lazarus, and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the, who anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, The one whom you love is sick. The one that you love is sick. And I want us to stop there this morning, because many times as I've been reading this passage through, I see this, the one that you love is sick, and I see that there's bad news that comes in the middle of a good life. Uh, things are going good. Uh, you know, here, here's been Mary and Martha. They're followers of Christ. Uh, things are going good. Their life is happy. And now all of a sudden, their brother Lazarus gets sick. And, and many times we go through these good seasons and then all of a sudden get that bad news in the midst of a good season. And what happens many times is we get tripped up by the bad news. Maybe you're facing some similar, similar bad news this morning. Maybe you've gone through a good season and you're facing that the one that you love is sick. Maybe you're facing that it is a truly one person It could be a spouse. It could be somebody that you care about deeply. The one that you love is sick and facing a physical ailment. It could be a relationship is sick. The one that you love is sick. This marriage is is sick and it's broken. Uh, It could be a job. The job that you love is sick. And so as we go through this this morning, I want you to think about that because we got bad news. There's something that's not favorable. And, uh, and, and you know, we all have to deal with bad news. We, we have personal experiences in our life when we find that there are bad times that come. And how do we deal with those bad times? And so th- this is what you're going to see. The resurrection, the fact that Jesus said, I am the resurrection, gives you power in how you can deal with life. It's not something that is just for the afterlife. It's not just something for in heaven. It is something that helps you now. And when he gave this statement, we're, we're going to see something powerful here. But let, let's continue. Verse 4, as we continue. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now Jesus loved Mary and his sister, uh, Mary, Martha, and her sister, Lazarus and, his, and Lazarus. So, so the very thing that you would not want to happen, God is going to bring glory to himself. And so as you're looking at this, you're like, There's a, the, the sickness is not going to end in death, but I'm going to get glory, uh, the, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified in it. And so when, when you see that, you're like, you're saying, okay, what are you talking about? Folks, just remember this, and I, I've, I've shared this before with you. Um, I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says that God's love is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. God's love is not about your comfort. 
And we, somehow we have, we have misread love to be that I will be comfortable and everything will be the way that I said it should go. And God says, whoa, wait a minute. He says, this, he, you know, he tells him, relax. This isn't going to end in death. The Son of God will be glorified. And he loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. These were friends of his. They're, they were followers of him. And so he had a great care and compassion. But just remember that when things don't go as you want them to go, uh, God is still going to bring glory. God will still bring glory. And you say, wow, there's brokenness all around me. How can God bring glory through this brokenness? How can through that cancer that I'm dealing with, how can that bring glory to God? How can the loss of income, how can the loss of friendship, how can all these losses, how can that bring glory to God? And may I share with you, that's what he says here. He said, the sickness is not to end in death, but it will uh, for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Verse 6, he says, uh, So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed for two days longer in the place where he was. As I'm reading this, I'm saying, wait a minute, you just said that he loved them. He gets word, and he says, I'm going to stay two days longer. I'm thinking, really? Really, God? I mean, Jesus, you know, could you imagine if Jesus was your friend, and he is your friend, right? But could you imagine if you knew him walking and talking around the earth? You were there when he fed the 5,000. And, and now here you are. You're at your home. Your brother's about to die. And you send a message over to your friend, oh, uh, to your friend Jesus. Hey, come heal him. Because I've, I've watched you heal everybody else. And you know, we're, we're part of the closest. I mean, we're part of your, we're part of your tribe. There's the 12 disciples, and then we're right behind them. We really love Jesus. And, 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 and they go to get help, and, and Jesus says, yeah, this won't end in death. Don't worry about it. And he keeps going. And he's not phased by it. And as a matter of fact, uh, two more days go by before he does anything about it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so, but the one you love is sick. And just imagine how the, the disciples were perplexed. And there's probably a reason that, uh, that they weren't perplexed. As you look through here, verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, after two days, okay, so why weren't they perplexed? He says, after two days, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Uh, verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, we were ju- we, uh, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Uh, listen, there was a lot of tension around Jerusalem. They, want, they wanted to take him down. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. And, uh, and so the disciples bring up a true fact. It was true that, the, that there was this tension between Jesus and between the Pharisees. And so it was mounting, and this is where it got all the way to the cross. And so they, the disciples didn't understand the cross. They didn't understand it was coming. They were, they were actually caught off guard by the cross. Uh, they knew that he would be their, their king and their Messiah, but they didn't really understand this. And so they were followers of him, but they didn't understand the things were to come. And so Jesus says, you know, I, I'm not afraid to go down there. He goes on, verse 9 and 10, Jesus answered, and uh, are there not 12 hours in a day? Uh, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And so he's basically saying, look, I have the light. I'm the light. I'm going to go. Just relax. Everything's under control. And he makes his journey on over, to, uh, over towards Jerusalem. But, but he wasn't afraid of trouble. And I want you to know that. Don't be afraid of trouble in your life. There are good times, but there are many bad times. And never be afraid of those bad times. You see, when it's bad, God is about to do something powerful. And that is where we all get shaken. Man, when bad things happen, somebody's sick, relationships are broken, that's where our knees start to shake. That's where we start to think God's not working. We think it's over, and we, we are, we're in pain. There's, uh, there's uh, turmoil. But yet, God is about to do something, and he's about to glorify himself. Oh, it's so powerful here this morning as we look at this. Because uh, in verse 11, this he said, after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Verse 11 and 12. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that, so that I may waken him out of sleep. Uh, the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, the disciples are just being, being wise here. They're saying, okay, you know, he's not going to die. He, God's going to be glorified. So if he's fallen asleep, he'll wake up. 
They're trying to kill us over there. <laughs> They're trying to kill us, you know? And, and by the way, sleep was a, in the scripture, you'll see that sleep is a metaphor. Uh, look at verse 13, that now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was spoken, had spoken of literal sleep. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's another passage where the scriptures tell us that on the day that Jesus comes, it says that those which are asleep in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be gathered together in the air. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think that those that are asleep in Christ were the people who slept in church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now I know who you are, okay? You can't escape it. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple that comes on Saturday night. They're, they're really good people, but they're getting up in years, and they're like, they're like, Pastor, we weren't sleeping. We were just resting our eyes. I was like, okay, I got you, you know? But it, it's all good, you know? I realize it's hard to sit for a half hour. But, uh, but they, they were taking it in. And, and so the disciples, they didn't understand this metaphor. They're thinking, oh, well, just let, let, you know, he'll wake up. So Jesus says to them, verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I mean, he just, just comes right out. Lazarus is dead. Continues, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. What? What kind of Jesus are you? It's not the Jesus that you make him out to be, huh? You see, everybody wants the Jesus who does what you want when you want. And Jesus said here, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. What is, what's he talking about here? Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I didn't make it. Uh, you know what? There, there are so many things in our life that we just will never understand. And I want to share that with you this morning. As I go through this, you know what, folks? I see many times in my life that were bad, that were painful, and I just don't understand them. I lost three family members within five years. That was my dad, my brother Paul, and my brother Sam. And I've shared this with you before, but th there are just things that you do not understand. And it's like, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Uh, listen, this is what happened here. They, they did not understand. And so he says, I'm, I'm going I'm to continue. I, I want you to believe. Folks, the greatest miracle that happens in John 11 is that the people believed. Lazarus, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus is going to go back and die again. This, this, he wasn't being raised to never die. He was being raised. Could you imagine that? You're dead. You've gone into heaven, and God calls you back. You're like, really? <laughs> yeah? I mean, dying once, I've never done that, yet alone to do that twice. Could you imagine that? I mean, like, who wants to do that twice? All right, bring the family, and they're going to talk to me, and, and, you know, and you go through all this. Listen, Jesus is going to call this man back. So the, the, the person who, has, who gets the hardest part of this whole deal is Lazarus, okay? Because he has to come back. And so, and, and, and so we're looking at everybody, and let me just say this with you. God can breathe new life into dead ends. That's the first point in your notes this morning. God can breathe new life into dead ends. I want you to understand this because as we go through this passage, I'm going to show you three dead ends that you can look at and you can say, wow, maybe I face some of those dead ends. Maybe you're looking and you don't understand what God is doing here. Okay? Uh, John 11:16. So Thomas, who is called Didymus, that means twin. His name, Thomas in the Greek, means twin. And there's the, the Greek name there, Didymus. So we don't know who, who he was a twin of, but he was a twin. Said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Now, now think about this. Don't you just love people on your team like that that doubt everything? You know? It's like, hey, we're going on vacation. It's going to rain the whole time. You know? You just love that, you know? Hey, we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a new job. Well, it's not good enough. You know, and, and, and they, they can tell you every reason why you won't succeed, right? Why? Because they doubt. And just some people are naturally, naturally prone to that. They, they can naturally doubt. Oh, it's going to be a great day. No, it's not. You know, I mean, it just comes out. And so Thomas was a doubter. And, and you know, his name means twin. And I just wonder if maybe some of his twins are here because you're a doubter. And I want you to know that you shouldn't be ashamed of that doubt. And you shouldn't be afraid of that doubt. Because that doubt is you're seeking God. 
you're really wanting to know. And, and listen, he had the dead end of doubt. As he came up to the dead end of doubt, he had to face that doubt. And he says, look, we're just going to die with him. He's not thinking Lazarus is coming back. He's not thinking anything. He's like, oh, yeah, here we go again. I'll follow him, but we're all going to die. And so I, I want you to think about your life. Have you ever had spiritual doubts? Perhaps you've prayed for something and it didn't happen. And you start to doubt. You start to doubt, is God real? And that's a legitimate thing, folks. That's a legitimate pain and a legitimate fear. But I want, I want to encourage you to, to keep going through because, because here he, he has faced doubt. And as he faces doubt, um, he, he goes and he works through it. And even, even after Jesus rose from the grave, Thomas was doubting. And he says, I, I won't believe till I see him. And so he, Jesus lets Thomas touch his hands. And Jesus never once in the scripture reprimands him for doubt. He brings him. He calls him closer. He endears him to himself. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're, if you're at the dead end of doubt, God can breathe new life into, into your doubt. John eleven seventeen. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Um, Lazarus, they make it over there. Lazarus has been dead. Not only did he wait two days longer. You're like, why did he wait two days longer? He had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And you know what? Mary was, Mary was just down and discouraged. Her dead end was discouragement. I mean, she has no life in her right now in the discouragement. John eleven twenty. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. This is, this is the follower of Jesus. And she, she's, they, they sent word. Mary and Martha both sent word. Now Jesus comes, and Mary is just laying down. She's discouraged. She's down. She's depressed. And, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe you're in a situation like that. Maybe you're down and you're depressed. You're depressed over your marriage. You're depressed over your job. You're depressed over life in general. You're, you're just down, and it's like this thing just keeps mounting up, and there's pressures and pressures. And maybe your dream, you never dreamed life would be like this. You never dreamed you'd have to deal with this. And so as you go through those things, what happens is we get down in discouragement. And, uh, and, and so today, I want to encourage you to know that God is the resurrection and the life. And we're going to show you in just a moment how that changes that. But there's a dead end of discouragement. There's the dead end of doubt. And then there's Martha. She was dead in her delay. Look here. Martha, uh, John eleven twenty one. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Wow. You know what? She thought that the delay was over. You know, there are things in your life that you cannot understand. There are things that God is doing and you just cannot understand. And, uh, and God was doing something there that she had no clue of. So Martha, when Jesus finally talks to her, she says, you're too late. You can't work in this situation anymore. This is over. And, and Jesus is looking at her. And, and imagine being the God of the universe as you look at one of your followers, the people whom you love, and you're like, you're about ready to do something that is going to blow their minds. You're going you're to reveal yourself in a way that the world has never seen before. And they are saying, you're too late. They were among the closest followers of Jesus. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And I want you to write that down. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Sometimes we look at life. Uh, you know what? Maybe you're a young person and you're, you're looking for a relationship. You're looking to get married one day. You know what? And you say, I'll never get married. And it's never going to happen. It's going to be so hard. And, and, you start to, and what happens is you get down because God has delayed that somehow that God's not in charge. Or maybe you get down and you start looking and you're praying for a loved one and you see your loved one just increasingly getting sick. And listen, because God didn't work in the way that you thought he should be working, you say God's delay is his denial. That does not mean that God has denied anything. It means that God is still in charge. Uh, healing. Uh, maybe it's God's delays or not God's denial and healing, physical healing. How about relational healing? Praying for loved ones. Somebody to come to Christ. Praying, 
praying for, a, maybe you're praying for a baby in this church this morning. You're saying, God, you know, I saw that baby get dedicated. I just, I'm just asking you for a baby and you've been, you've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. And you're just saying, God, please do something. Listen, because God is not on your timetable, we have to understand his delays are not his denials. Remember this, folks. God answers in multiple ways. He says yes, he says no, and he says wait. And I'll tell you what, sometimes we look at the no's and we think, we think that that's it, that it's just a no. And we don't realize that there's a yes on the other side of the no. And we look at it and we just, and we just get crazy. I, I told you earlier that, that I lost three family members within five years. I lost my dad, I lost my brother Paul, and I lost my brother Sam. And let me tell you about my brother Sam. I've shared with you this before, but my brother Sam, he never walked. He never talked. He never spoke a word in his life. He made it 29 years, almost to 30 years old. And I'll never forget as a child. Let me tell you my childhood memories. I was big brother. I was about 13 years older than him, if I recall correctly. And, uh, and, and he had, he had he, you know, he couldn't speak. He couldn't even crawl. My mother, God bless her, she had one of these, uh, one of these things that lift, the, lift him up and carry him down the hall and put him into a hospital bed every night. And I remember as a kid, I remember trying to work with him and his hands were clenched like this from several palsy type illness. And I remember opening him up and just said, come on, Sam, you're going to do it one day. And, you know, and I remember that that was before the days of Google where you could research everything and learn it overnight, right? So I would go, I'd go with him to therapy. We took him to therapy on a regular basis and I'd watch him open his hands and we had splints to hold his hands open. And, we, you know, he never ate a piece of solid food in his life. It was all baby food, pureed all his life. And so, so it's just like, wow, God, what are you doing? And I'll never forget as a kid, I remember praying and saying, God, please let him talk. God, please let my brother talk. And I would go over to him and I would say, Sammy, say mom. Sammy, say mom. And he'd go, ah. And he'd just kind of groan. And then as I got older, I'll never forget watching my mother. I watched my Watch her take care of him. And I said, God, why? Why couldn't you let my mom hear him say mom? And I remember praying as an adult, as a pastor in the church. I remember going home and praying and saying, God, would you let her say, would you let Sammy say, mom, I love you. Just let him say it once. That's all I ask. We walked through the journey with Sammy all his life. And I looked at it. I remember going, we had his funeral right here in the church. We all gathered right on this side of the church. And I'll never forget that because as we, as we took and we sent him on to God, I remembered that God's delays are not his denials. And I thought that I had a no. But I got into God's word and I'm starting to read in Revelation 21 about there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. And I said, what I took as a no God was answering in a different way. And my brother is in heaven this day and he's been healed. His first words were to Jesus. Could you ask for any better person to say your first words to? To Jesus. And that's what God did. And so folks, I want you to understand God's delays are not his denials. It is God working. And who will be glorified the most? Who got the glory from my brother Sam's life? God Almighty, he is to be praised, he's to be adored, he's to be glorified. And I'll tell you what, my mom's a close second on that one. <laughs> she just took care of him like crazy. But I'll tell you what, his delays are not his denials. And so, folks, when you're working in life and you're facing a bad situation, God says, I have not left you. God will redeem what he allows God will redeem what he allows. As I look through this story, I see, man, he allowed him to die. God was about to redeem what he allowed. And what's going on in your life? You say, I don't understand. If God loved me, why is this happening? Let me tell you, because God loves you more than you could ask or think. He has a bigger plan. His plan is exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think. And you say, why? And I say, I don't know the why, but I know that God will be glorified. God will be glorified through this. And so today I want to encourage you. Jesus continues here in John eleven twenty two. He says, 
uh, I'm sorry, Martha responds. Uh, Martha said to Jesus, 11:21, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And he has an even now statement. Martha says, even now, God, you can work. Even now, and so she didn't even understand, but she's like, even now, God, I know that whatever you ask, you could still heal him, but they weren't expecting him to rise him, rise him from the dead. Uh, verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Uh, let me tell you what happened here. Uh, they're thinking, the, the Jewish people, they understood the resurrection. They understood that there is an afterlife. They understood that God one day would come and raise these bodies. And God said, listen, I am that resurrection. Now, I want you to catch this because in your dark hours, God will give you supernatural strength. God will give you supernatural strength. That is what was going on here. Your brother will rise again. She's not thinking that he's coming back to life. She's thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to be in heaven. God, this is wonderful. This is a beautiful thing. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is, Jesus comes and he says, listen, he doesn't say, I will resurrect. I will be the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. Do you know why Lazarus was, was raised from the dead? It's because he is the resurrection. I read the statement. It just knocked my socks off. It said that when the resurrection goes to a funeral, you can't help but rise. And that's what Jesus is. He is the resurrection. God, he is God in the flesh. He is Jesus. And he is the one who will come to your dead end and he will breathe life into your dead end. And he will, whether it's doubt, whether it's discouragement, whether it's delay, whether it's disease, disappointment, God will breathe his life into your life. And he will give you that resurrection power. Folks, the same power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. He lives in you and God's given you that power. So when you're going to work tomorrow and you're facing some hard times, when you're facing the the loss of a loved one, listen, folks, God is there and his resurrection power is there with you. And he has not left you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he's given you that power. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Now check this out. He is the life. There, there's a, a Greek word. It's called Zoe. And Zoe means, it means this. It means possessed of vitality. He is the life. We, we have a little girl in the church. Her name is Zoe. And I tell you what, she is possessed with vitality. She is just so much fun. I tell you, if you know Zoe, you know she's a lot of fun. She is, she is life downstairs. Uh, and she's life everywhere she goes. But I want you to catch this. He says he is the life. You know the life that you've been looking for? And you thought you would find it in a relationship. God says, that's not the life. I'm the life. Whoa. You know that life that you were looking for in your job and you thought that if I just made that figure and and you finally made that figure and it wasn't too happy? You're like, wow. You get there, it's like going on vacation. You're like, really? I waited all year for this? You know, he is the life. That's what he is. And, And so you can't get this life from anywhere else. He is the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And he said... He said, he who believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. Wow. This is so powerful. And so Jesus comes along and he goes over and he heals Lazarus. Uh, Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And so he went through and it's kind of cool. I mean, Lazarus' body was dead, man. It was dead. He was stinking. There's a, there, there, seriously, in the King James, it says he stinketh, you know? And I tell you, there's sometimes in my life, I think my life stinketh. And I know it stinketh because it's dead. But I, this is not it, guys. This, if, if everything were in the parameters of my 90 years here, I'm a little presumptuous, aren't I? But if we're in my 90 years, boy, we have nothing to live for. But we have eternity with a God who loves you, who cares for you, and and who came to this earth and rescued you because he knows that this 90 years is very short. 
And he says, I want you forever with me. And I want to give you life now. I don't want you to wait until you die. I want this life right now. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Roger Metcalf reminded me when we were kids, he said, hey, don't you remember when I was teaching you guys in, in uh, a Bible study down in Dormont? He said, he, said, uh, he said, don't you remember I read Lazarus, come forth? And he says, you raised your hand. And he said, who were the first three? I said, because Lazarus came forth, right? And so we'll never forget that. Some things you can't outlive, right? Lazarus come forth. The man who had died came forth. The man who died came out. He says, Lazarus, come out. Come out of the grave. And, and he does. And when he comes out of the grave, uh, he's bound with hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was, was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And so here he comes, and, you know, the same way that Jesus would be buried just not long later. He's buried the same way Lazarus is buried with all this in a tomb. He told him to move the tombstone away. And he says, I am the resurrection, folks. I am the life. Lazarus, come forth. And so when the resurrection comes to a funeral, you can't help but come alive. And I want to share with you this morning, that dead end in your life, when you get in light of the resurrection, not the event, the resurrection, Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus, he resurrects your dead ends. He resurrects all that pain, all that misery, all that hurt and shame and guilt that you're going through. And this morning, I just want to call you to understand this. That verse there, after John eleven twenty six, he asked Mary and Martha, he says, do you believe? Do you believe? That's what he was all about. He said, listen, in that day, many came, many became believers. And you see this word all over the book of John. Believe, believe, believe. And I ask you today, do you believe? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that he died on that cross and that he was buried and that he rose again? Do you believe this? Do you believe that he has the power to transform your life and you give that deadness to him and watch him breathe new life in there. Do you believe it? That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to trust it. See, when you see the word believe in the scripture, it means trust. So he wants you to trust him. So this morning I ask you to come and trust Jesus. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, man, there is nothing more exciting than the resurrection he is the resurrection. It was not just something that he was going to do. Because in this passage, he says, I am the resurrection. The disciples, even when Jesus rose again, they didn't catch it. They didn't understand it. But Jesus brings new life. And so this morning, I ask you, what area of your life do you need new life in? What area do you need power in? Do you need power to conquer an addiction? Do you need power to conquer a, a a broken relationship. You need power for healing in so many areas of your life. Can we come before God and just say, God, I need you? This morning, if you've never trusted Christ, I want to invite you to trust him. And just pray something like this to God. Just pray, dear God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I come to you today. I know that you are the resurrection and the life. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you came back again, came back to life again for me. And God, I believe. I trust you right now with my life. And for others in this place, maybe God's talking to you about some dead ends that you've been trying to live without the resurrecting power. God says you can't do this without his resurrecting power. Let's go to him. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you are. You are such a great God. Lord, for those in this room that opened their heart to trust you this morning, I pray that you will transform their lives. And God, for many others who are dealing with some dead-end situations, God, may they find your supernatural power. May they find that you are the resurrection, you are the life. May they place their trust in you for every area of their life. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Would you greet those around you as we, as we leave today? God bless you.